Welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 19 years of healthcare experience and began my career as an energy medicine practitioner while working as an oncology nurse at a Seattle area hospital. My skill in moving energy combined with my medical background have been a catalyst for change in many people's lives. I hope the next hour will be transformative for you as well. And welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. We're live here in gorgeous, sunny, I mean, really quite stunning Seattle weather. Super spectacular. Isn't it? I feel like I'm on vacation. I mean, I really <sighs> do because I wake up in the morning, I go for a walk. And, and of course, I always walk anyway, but it's like so beautiful. I saw four blue herons yesterday on my walk. I saw your Facebook posting. That was beautiful Wasn't picture. Did you love yeah. that picture? What you couldn't see because my iPhone won't let me, and not no. my iPhone, but my uh, <laughs> My phone won't let me zoom in. There was a gorgeous blue heron standing on this little pole in the water, and it, he, he was he was just showing off for us. He Are sh- you sure we should have our tech department take care of your phone? I think we should be able to zoom really? in. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Most phones should. Unless Excellent. you have the really old phone, no. but I really don't. I have an updated phone, but I can't find the zoom on it. So It's in there. I guarantee it. Oh, how lovely. Yeah, so it's gorgeous here in mm-hmm. Seattle. If you live in some other part of the world and you're looking for a great place to vacation, because we don't like people, too many people to move here. We already have... Um, right. Do we have the second or the third worst traffic in the country? You know, we're up there, but I don't know if we're the third or second. I think we're th- within the top ten. I'll, I'll <laughs> Yeah, I think that. the top five is what we are, actually. Uh, it doesn't really apply to me. I'm up so early, it doesn't... I, I know everyone's Mrs. jealous because of it, but... We are. No, we're no. just jealous. Today was great. I was able yeah. to go 60 miles an hour on the freeway today, so it was wonderful. <laughs> Maybe 62? Mm, no, I wish. a little bit with the speeds? I, I would have gone 70 if I could have <gasps> gone, you know, but... <sighs> Daredevil. Yeah. yeah, well, what can I say? <laughs> um, so today I have the pleasure and the honor of interviewing the creators of the documentary, The Greater Good. Um, they both live in Sun Valley, Idaho, which one of my dear friends, Andrea Friesen, lives there. And she introduced me to this documentary. Um, I was there recently for the Wellness Festival and hanging out at her house. And one evening before I flew home, she said, I have this documentary I want you to watch. I go, great. So we sat in her comfy movie room and watched this lovely award-winning documentary about about vaccines. And I, I know anyone who watches this will not only be incredibly educated about what's going on in the country and why we have problems with vaccines, which is mm-hmm. a very important component to look at. You know, what is the real problem behind it, which I think will be surprised. We're going to talk about it at length today. Um, but you're also going to really learn about uh, how we could potentially change them. I don't think it's that hard. Uh, obviously, it's going to take money and research, but the money that it takes to take care of people who, have, who are injured by, by vaccines is, you know, surmounting and a lot more challenging, of course, than taking the time to create something that really is for the greater good. So please welcome to the show Leslie Manukin and Kendall Nelson. Welcome to the show, both of you. Thanks, Marie. Thanks so much for having us, Marie. It's great to be here with you. Oh, it's lovely to have you. So Leslie um, was a successful Wall Street business executive. Is now a documentary film creator, producer. Um, and you chose to leave Wall Street in the height of your career in order to pursue a a more meaningful path. So what happened? Did you just have one of these moments where, you know, you're, you know, kind of in the big leagues of, um, of life, you could say, in the fast track of life, and you decided to just really slow it down? Where is that before you moved to Sun Valley, Idaho? Well, I actually grew up in Sun Valley, but I was living in London and, um, you know, had been more successful than I'd ever kind of dreamed. 
And there were a couple of moments that happened. One was that I got a really huge bonus, and I came home, and my husband was, you know, asking me, how did you do, how did you do? And I said, oh, I, you know, this is what I got. And I started crying, and he said, <laughs> what's wrong? Are you disappointed? And I said, no, the thing is, I feel empty. Aww. You know, I had all the kind of trappings of success, but I was so conflicted inside and so unfulfilled and so just utterly depressed at what I was doing, and I just knew I had to get out and do something different. Wow. And there was another moment where the CEO of a major, it was my job to interview uh, chief executives of multinational corporations, Mm -hmm. and the CEO of one of the biggest pharmaceutical companies in the world came into our office, and one of their their blockbuster drug, which was the big thing driving their um, future sales, was in phase three trials, and it was starting to leak out that this drug was causing problems that could lead to death. And he came in and he said, you know, listen, the bad news is the FDA is going to make us put a black box warning on our packaging for this drug. The good news is we still think we'll be able to do $7 billion in peak sales. Wow. And I was just like, <gasps> it was like <laughs> someone had kicked me in the stomach, and oh. I just, you know... I just couldn't do it anymore. I was. I looked around the room, and no one else even flinched, and I just felt like the veil had lifted, and I had to get out. And wow. all I'd ever wanted to do was to um, make a difference. That was my kind of, you know, drive when I was younger, and for a bunch of reasons, I didn't follow that path. And so it was about me kind of returning to my true heart's path, you know. Well, we appreciate you ditching Golden Sachs and all the other incredible companies that you've worked for and using your MBA to um, to help us create health and well-being in the world. We, we appreciate that and applaud that, and good for you for recognizing that. I think it's wonderful to have ambition and to create success in one's life. I think that's a fantastic thing. And to reevaluate that throughout our lifetime, you know, okay, is this really feeding me personally and professionally? And then at some point, maybe you already knew Kendall. I don't know if you did. But, um, Kendall Nelson was raised in California, where she attended San Francisco State University and the Brooks Institute of Photography. Nelson's photographs are exhibited in museums and art galleries nationwide, and her images have been featured by numerous publications, including um, National Geographic. So um, welcome to the show, Kendall. How thank did, you, Marie. Yes, thank you for your work, and the film is gorgeous. You guys did an amazing job. It's really quite beautiful. So did you already know Leslie? Well, you know, I met Leslie at a, um, a woman's luncheon through a mutual friend, and we were seated next to each other. And um, it was interesting because Leslie, um, you know, she's one of the most brilliant people I've ever met, and she started talking to me about um, vaccines and her desire to do a film. And so, um, you know, it just so happened that I make documentary films, and here we were seated next to each other, and she had this fabulous idea for a topic, and that started us about um, six years ago on this journey together. Wow. Well, yes, wonderful. You've been working in the film industry for a long time. Um, you've also been an assistant director at Fox Television before moving to Sun Valley, <laughs> Idaho, and you began traveling in the West f- photographing cowboys, which Correct. is kind of yeah. cool. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, it was very cool, actually. I spent about 10 years um, on and off going and photographing cowboys and um you know, looking at their lifestyle and made a documentary. Well, first I made a book about them, but then I made a documentary about sort of the psyche of the cowboy. And hmm. and now, of course, I'm on to something completely different with the vaccine film, but that's what's fun about making documentaries, that you can go from one radically different subject to the next. Right. Fascinating. Absolutely. And your film has won, um, it looks like multiple awards, but you've won the 2011 Amsterdam Film Festival Award. Congratulations. 
and the 2011 Sidewalk Moving Pictures um, Film Festival Award as well. So congratulations to all of those. And, and you've been viewed in many film festivals. I mean, numerous, correct? The film has. Correct. Right. Um, so I heard and a Marie, room. Yes. Can I just say, this yeah. is Leslie, one thing on the Sidewalk Award. That was in conjunction with the School of Public Health at the University of Alabama. And we were thrilled with that award, as you can imagine, because to be recognized by um, a School of Public Health on an issue that's important to public health is a really wonderful, you know, accolade. And so we were just delighted with that kind of recognition and, um, you know, an award. And I just wanted to point that out because there are people who, you know, don't want to discuss this topic. It's one of the hottest topics in the world today, um, you know, vaccines and their safety. And um, it's something that we really hope with the film that we could bring many, many people into the conversation, into the fold to understand that this is much more nuanced than they might have understood before and that, yes, there are doctors and scientists out there who have concerns and we should welcome these, these perspectives and these you know, concerns and it's only through doing so that we'll be able to make the safest vaccine program possible. Wow. Yeah, I, could, I couldn't agree more. And in the film, you guys follow three families where you interview them and talk about their lives and the circumstances that have occurred to their children um, who have been injured by the vaccine. And, and talk about courageous people to be able to be videoed so clearly and their life investigated about, you know, some tragic events that have occurred in their life. So what was it like following them around and, and spending time with these very interesting and diverse families? Well, I think, um, first of all, we were so incredibly fortunate to get into these people's lives. And um, we, um, we, you know, just had this incredible relationship with them where, you know, they trusted us and we trusted them. And um, I think at the end of the day, it was, um, you know, very inspiring, but also, you know, it's just very sad that this mm-hmm. has happened to these three families. You know, we mm-hmm. feature a a young girl in the film, um, Gabby Swank, and she was injured by her Gardasil vaccine. And she went from being a straight-A student and a cheerleader and, you know, to um, being in a wheelchair and not able to attend school and with, you know, multiple health issues. And we also follow a boy named Jordan King who um, is severely autistic. And um, so we see, you know, we get to go into his life and see what it's like to have a you know, an adolescent um, autistic child. And then also we visited with um, um, the Christner family, and they lost um, an infant due to vaccines. So, you know, it was this incredible journey that Leslie and I were able to go on, and we, you know, learned a ton from these families. They sort of taught us along the way. And um, we were just so incredibly privileged to be able to get into their lives and tell their stories and for Leslie and I, it was really important to tell that side of the story because, of course, everybody's been taught that vaccines, um, you know, save millions of lives and in many ways can do no harm. And, you know, these were three excellent examples of how um, vaccine injury can, you know, change lives and, and ruin lives, really. Right. And, and I think what's fascinating about the vaccine um, conversation is that children today are now mandated to receive 69 different vaccines. And that's a lot of vaccinations um, compared to 1980, where 28 was the requirement at that time. Mm-hmm. And, and if, what I found so fascinating about the film, which I did not know about vaccines, is the binding elements you know, that they use to hold the chemicals together to inoculate us from diseases 
are actually very toxic to the body, including neurotoxic like mercury and aluminum and preservatives, one of the names I can't pronounce very well. So so that's the fascinating part of it is it's not necessarily, you know, that we know of because there hasn't really been an, enough research done, the, the components of the vaccine that's causing the problem that's preventing the disease, but the things that are holding it together that um, aren't healthy for human consumption. We know that taking in amounts of aluminum and mercury into the body is not healthy. We, we know this, but we haven't done, apparently, research on that in terms of vaccine use. Well, you know, it's really interesting, Marie, the, the preservative that you are referring to is, is thimerosal, I believe. Am I correct? <laughs> yes. Is that what the one yes. that you said you couldn't pronounce? Yes, thank you. And thimerosal is um, 50% mercury by oh, weight. wow. And it's used so that they can have cheaper vaccines. Um, they put it into a multi-dose vial, and that way you can stick the needle in over and over again, and it doesn't kill. It kills everything that's in there, but apparently not enough of the virus to um, so that the vaccine is still effective. And um, what's interesting is that there was only one safety study ever done on methylmercury by Eli Lilly in 1930. Wow! It was given to 22 patients who all had meningitis, and they all died. And the um, company concluded, well, they were all going to die anyway, so it must be perfectly safe. And literally, when FDA was incorporated a couple of years later, it was just grandfathered in without any questions asked. Wow. That's how it came to be used in pharmaceutical products. And people may remember that it used to be an ingredient in contact lens solution and other things. And it's been banned from there. You know, you can't put it in your eyes anymore, but it's still allowed to be injected into pregnant women and, and babies. Right. And all of us, you know. Right. And our military, you know, our military is highly vaccinated as they travel around the world and, you know, potentially subject us to diseases they've never come in contact with. Mm-hmm. And and we have a lot of cases actually in the military of people having lots of immune disorders um, once they leave or even during their time of giving service. So it creates problems across the board, you know, yeah. right? A lot of problems. So, um, Jordan, and then, oh, and then I think it's really important to understand that one of the things that we wanted to convey with the film is that lives matter, whether or not they're impacted by infectious diseases or vaccines, they should both matter. But we have this kind of mass cultural acceptance that people who are injured by infectious diseases seem to matter more than those who are, who are injured by vaccines. And we hope that people will really understand that vaccines do cause harm to some individuals and to quite a few. And what we don't know is how many. Right, because we don't have tests to show who can remove toxins from their body best. You know, we don't. But we also don't even know how often this is happening because we don't track it. True, yeah, we don't. And so my point is it's really important for people to understand that those children, those adults, those military victims, they're actually being dismissed by the system. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, they're not considered as important as those who might you know, get sick and die from measles. And that just doesn't make sense to us. Well, you talk about this in the movie. It's called the herd. It's a it's a, a term that apparently was established a long time ago when vaccines were being created about, you know, the greater good of the whole community or the whole population, that there will be some loss and some risk by inoculating mass populations of people, but that that risk is justifiable because it affects the greater good, so to speak. And mm-hmm. I, I believe that concept is the herd. Is that correct? Is that the terminology that's used? Well, sort of. Herd mm-hmm. immunity is, is an idea that exists truly in nature when people truly get diseases and therefore um, enough people have immunity to it, permanent immunity to it, and then um, 
and then the disease doesn't spread as much in that in that population base. We have extrapolated that because that happens naturally in nature, that it will happen when we vaccinate. And what we're finding out more and more than that is that that's actually not true. Mm-hmm. But that is still the philosophy by which we, um, you know, mandate vaccinations for almost every kid who goes to school. Wow. Uh, you know, what I also found fascinating is that flu shots have mercury in them as well. And, and so we have people getting shots annually, putting higher doses of mercury in their body. And there's actually proof, um, we have proof that mercury can cause, you know, potentially lead to neurotoxin disease like Alzheimer's or Lou Gehrig's disease. Mm-hmm. It is well known that, that mercury is a potent neurotoxin, and this is why pregnant women are told not to eat fish that has you know, uh-huh. contains mercury. And yet we're telling them now in recent years to get injected with flu vaccines that contain mercury while they're pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so these babies are being, you know... Mm. Um, exposed to one of the most, in fact, I think it's considered the second most potent neurotoxin on the planet mm. in utero. And, um, you know, what what happens as a result of that is, is unknown. The official line is that there is no connection between mercury or vaccines and autism. But, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of parents say that their child either was born with autism, having received flu vaccines in utero or develops regressive autism sometime after a a dose of vaccines. And, you know, clearly the impact of mercury and aluminum on a developing child's brain is something that's not fully understood, but we do know that it's not a positive impact. Right. In the movie, you showcase Jordan King, who, you know, his parents show pictures of him and video footage, you know, prior to some vaccinations of him just being this vibrant, you know, well adjusted, you know, growing normally child, and then after vaccines, you know, having um, irritability and and numerous problems. And of course, now he's nonverbal and and he's autistic. And uh, one of his physicians who actually told the family that they they did some tests on him and were looking for metals in his body and he had an off-the-chart level of mercury. And the family was like, you know, looking through their house at the time of this discovery for where Jordan had gotten this mercury source and their physician told them it was in his vaccines. And that was fascinating. I I think very fascinating information. I think it's been challenging uh, for multiple reasons. I know money is a big part of pharmaceutical discovery of drugs and distribution, um, but I think it's hard for us when we have a population of people who are getting, you know, vaccinated who are nonverbal. They're little beings. And we, the evidence seems to be harder for some people to understand or those who are choosing not to understand it because we don't have documented evidence um, because of their young age. Yeah. Kendall, do you want to respond on that? Oh, I just, I mean, I just think it's absolutely tragic. And, you know, um, I wanted to add, too, that the, um, you know, the flu shots that you were talking about, you know, 50% of the flu shots today still contain mercury. That's a lot. And Jordan King in our film, you know, he's, um, he's I'm guessing right now because I can't do the math real quickly, but I think he's about 13 yeah. now. And he's, um, you know, he received most of his vaccines and his damage, you know, like around the age of two. And so, or, you know, he was being vaccinated all along and then by the age of two was diagnosed with autism and um, and at that time, there was a significant more amount of mercury in the vaccines. And what frustrates me is that when people say, well, you know, most of the mercury has been taken out, so now for now it's safe. And, you know, the, the truth is that there are, if, if the 
vaccine does not have mercury in it, it may have other adjuvants in it, mm. you know, like the aluminum or, mm. you know, the other things that, that the uh, foreign DNA and proteins and the monkey kidneys and, the you know, all this other stuff that can be in the vaccine. Wow. And anyways, in Jordan's case, it's just um, a very sad deal. And one of the things that um, is interesting to me is that Jordan has a sister named Maya, and Maya is exceptionally talented. Um, she's, you know, a... Um, incredible violin player and they stopped but they stopped vaccinating her and they're very close in age and you know she wasn't damaged so it was interesting for us to be able to go into the family and look at the two um, siblings you know and they both have wonderful parents who care about them incredibly and you know spend every moment of their lives dealing with um, you know uh, how do you live with a child with autism and um it's just, I mean, they, they're an example of somebody who's really doing it right, you know, and they're, um, they're doing everything they can for their child. But at the same time, you know, it's my guess that Jordan will, you know, probably remain nonverbal. And, you know, in somebody's case like that, one of the interesting things you have to think about is what happens when he gets older and when these parents right. aren't there to, um, to protect him. And, you know, he's a big, strong you know, extremely handsome boy. Very you know, handsome very, young man. Very muscular. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, what happens when he's 18, 19, and, right. you know, he's not a particularly, um, in fact, maybe not at all, a violent child. But, you know, some kids with autism, they have to be restrained, and it is hard for, you know, much harder for the parents. But at the same time, you know, he has to be watched all the time. And, you know, what's going to happen to this child when he's, when he, you know, kind of, ages out, you know, and is there going to be a, uh, a place for him to go um, if something happens to the parents? And you know, it's just such an incredibly complex issue. And, you know, now we have uh, one in 33 boys being diagnosed with some form of autism right. um, in this country. And right. so it's just, it's a, it's a disaster, really, that needs to be addressed. Right. And, and, you know, clearly in the movie, they talk about how the incidence of increasing vaccines has also been um paralleled with the increasing diagnosis of autism. And of course, that's just one aspect of injury that's related to vaccines. I'm having the pleasure of interviewing Leslie Manukin and Kendall Nilsson. They are creators of the movie, the documentary, The Greater Good. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Manifesting dreams into reality is meant to be exciting and easy. When the tools you use stop working, a lack of self-worth is most likely holding you back. Marie's Affirm Your Worth cards are the perfect solution to increase self-appreciation while magnetizing your dreams into reality in a nurturing and fun way. Order the Affirm Your Worth cards online at energyintuitive.com or call 425-825-5671. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. When I grow up, I want to be a glass countertop in a new home. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's best birthday present. When I grow up, I want to be a football stadium. When I grow up, I want to be a warm place on a cold day. When I grow up, I want to be a fancy backsplash. I want to be a bike that races around the country. When I grow up, I want to be a bench on a forest trail. 
I want to be a rocking chair on and a sunny I porch. I want to be a skyscraper. I want to be. 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 When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. A public service advertisement brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. Join Marie in Seattle this August at East West Bookshop for two events you won't want to miss. Friday, August 23rd, Marie will be giving a talk on the other side from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Then on Saturday, August 24th, she will be conducting a workshop on intuitive health from noon to 5 p.m. And Marie will be doing live readings at both events. Register online at eastwestbookshop.com or call 1-800-587-6002. We live in a world that's become predictable. Our realities are filled with distractions, hopelessness, and confusion. We've begun to lose touch of what we're truly capable of. It's time for us to regain our true potential. Join psychic medium and crystal child, Lindsay Paul, as she connects to the other side and brings back messages from beyond, along with her psychic and skeptical. Abraham DeWeese and Indigo Child Sarah Ellis. They'll help you sort of new heights by answering your questions. Don't miss Wisdom Within Radio Thursdays at 1 p.m. Going against the grain has never been so much fun. Alternative Talk 1150 AM Everything will work itself out In due time I know that's always true but right now I'm filled with all this doubt Oh, when I was there in love between me and you Oh no, you can't let me go like that Oh, they said to mean something Welcome back to the Manu Cherry Show. We're interviewing the creators of The Greater Good, an amazing documentary. I think that you should watch it just for... Well, first of all, you're going to love it. The stories are amazing. The video is beautiful. But the information is very important for our time because it, when anything's off balance, what we want to do is cr- to create balance. You know, knowledge is power, and it frees us from all kinds of potential problems that could be happening throughout the world. So welcome back to the show, Leslie Manukian and Kendall Nelson. Um, Nelson, welcome back to the show. Ladies. Thanks, and Marie. Yes, it's lovely to have you. Um, uh, in in the documentary, you also um, interview many doctors, by the way, and on both sides. You even interview physicians who are huge proponents of vaccinations and disagree with any findings at all that have to do with um, the diseases that could be linked, you know, to uh, vaccinations. And in fact, when we were on break, you talked about that over fifty four percent of school aged children have some sort of chronic health problem in their life right now. Well, you know, what what happened was about a year and a half ago, a study was published in the Journal of Academic Pediatrics, and the, the, the scientists basically did a review of the health and well-being of American children, and they found that, yes, indeed, 54% of American school kids have a chronic illness or disability, and this could be something like asthma or allergies. Mm-hmm. Um, speech delays, behavioral problems, obesity, diabetes, autism, lupus, autoimmune disease, all sorts of things like that. And what's interesting is that there is actually science connecting all of those things to vaccinations. And one of the things that we wanted people to understand in the film is that this number 
um, of children being sick, one in two American kids having a chronic, chronic illness, very potentially is being actually caused by the vaccine program. And we're giving vaccines to healthy kids with the idea that we may protect them from an infectious disease. But what if we're causing chronic illness that lasts for life? Mm-hmm. And it's something that I don't think most parents know about, that there is science connecting these things. There was just a couple studies published about the vaccine diabetes connection. And it's something that we really think people need to understand, that there, there are risks to vaccination. And the question is, which ones do you want to take on? Do you want to take on the disease or do you want to take on a you know, potential lifetime of chronic illness? And with this many kids being sick, I think we as a society really need to think about, can we afford this? Um, yes, the pharmaceutical industry is happy because they get patients for life with, you know, people who grow up and need nebulizers or EpiPens or whatever for life. But is that really what we want for our kids? And is that really what we want for society? And can we afford to live in a country where half of our, um, you know, our population is ill? Right. So, so Gardasil, which is um, a fascinating vaccine because it has, it has heavy advertisement geared towards teenagers to protect them from cancer and a potentially fatal disease. At least that's what it says in the commercial. And yet it has, um, is it aluminum that's in the vaccine that binds it or mercury or both? I can't remember which one. So it has a, a whopping dose of aluminum in it. But just so you know, it's not a binder. It's mm. actually the key component that irritates the immune system and gets the immune system to respond. You're called kidding. called an adjuvant. It stimulates uh. the immune system to respond. Without aluminum in there, the vaccines basically don't work. You're kidding. So it's a known irritant, which is why mm. they put it in there in the first place. Wow, interesting. So um, since 2010, um, there it looks like, at least in the research, that there are 85 deaths that are connected to Gardasil? In the U.S. alone. Wow, wow. And of course, I knew this as a nurse when I found out about the vaccination. I was actually kind of shocked about it because I know the rare incidence of of cervical cancer. It's not a common disease in our population. It's really easily to be diagnosed. Advanced forms of it are minimal. Of course, anyone who has had a, a form of that and died of an advanced form of cervical cancer, of course, it's a big deal. But to have such a mass immunization program for really a disease that is not a serious disease in our, in our world is kind of shocking to me. Well, I think it's a, a fantastic example that vaccination is not always about public health, but oftentimes about money. And if you just look at the, the data in the last 30 years, the incidence of cervical cancer has gone down over 70%, 70, or rather deaths. So because of pap smears used right. in the developing, in the developed world, in the Western world, the um, death rate from cervical cancer has gone down about 70%. And now it's about um, three per 100,000, which is extremely low, mm-hmm. extremely low, to put it in context. So there are about three or 4,000 people who die in our entire population of 300 million every year from cervical cancer. Mm-hmm. To put it in context, 40,000 people die in motor vehicle crashes. Right. And 5,000 right. innocent pedestrians walking down the street are hit and killed by cars. Right. And so now we have our young teenagers who are, the commercials are geared towards them. You know, they have young people in these commercials. My, my middle daughter almost got this vaccine. Uh, she knows my uh, thoughts and beliefs about, about vaccines. I vaccinated my children very late, and I was very careful about what I chose that they be vaccinated about with. 
and, and, and what kind of things I wanted them to be protected about. So I educated myself very well and waited long periods of time. My pediatricians did not like this. But I was determined. I'd, my intuition, and of course I was raised that way. My mother vaccinated us very late in life as well. Um, I, I, I knew, she knew my thoughts about it. So she was recently, she's 25, she's recently in a, a doctor's office having her regular checkup. And she came very close. She told me they brought the shot in, <laughs> the needle in, and she was about to get vaccinated. And she could hear my voice in her head. And I hadn't shared this movie with her yet. We, she lives in Texas, so we hadn't really chatted about it at that time and um, when I did, I said, honey, thank you so much for not getting this vaccination. <laughs> and then told her about um, the findings about Gardasil. Yeah. So, well, you know, Marie, what is so important for people to understand mm-hmm. is that not only does the vaccine contain aluminum, and not only do most vaccines contain aluminum, but aluminum is the placebo that they use in their clinical studies. So oh, basically wow. what they do is they rig the study. Uh-huh. so that you don't know what the true side effects profile is because the placebo is aluminum. It's not wow. water or saline or a sugar pill. It's aluminum. And it, you can imagine how much that masks the true side effect profile. And then they don't look for very long to see what's really happening. They look for a few years. I mean, this vaccine was only introduced in 2006. How do we know what's going to happen to people 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the line. We have no idea. Well, first of all, I think that goes outside of the laws of placebo testing or research, you know, to actually use part of the vaccine, the antigen in it or the agitator in it. And and what's fascinating that I also um, heard on the the video as well is that um, this Gardasil was moved on to the fast track. So it was meant to be researched for four years, I believe, was the original agreement. And the FDA approved a fast track track of this drug because it was so needed in the population, which of course is not true. And um, so it was approved within 15 months. And so it didn't get the regular research that it intended initially. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's <laughs> the fast tracking process was something that was implemented by FDA so that if there was a serious health emergency and no drug for it that they could push through a drug more quickly to make it available to people. Um, to say that putting Gardasil through that system is an abuse of the system is, is you know, a, a massive understatement. Um, in a country where more than 90% of the people who get HPV, well, first of all, Gardasil is not proved to control Right. to protect against cancer. It right. protects against a virus. Right. And the virus is thought to be connected to right. cancer. We don't but know. It, we don't but know we don't sure. know. Right. And the other thing is you need other things to be coexistent. You need malnutrition or another health problem in order for you to have a HPV infection that you can't clear from your body. So right. basically only goes to, to cancer after five to eight years when there are other problems with it. And yet it was forced through. And Merck stopped its trial. It didn't continue because they didn't have to anymore once it was approved. And so, yes, it was released on the market with less than 1,200 girls under the age of 16 being studied and um, recommended for universal use in all girls, even as young as nine if the doctor felt it was appropriate. Mm -hmm. And what people don't know is that the vaccine doesn't last for more than five to seven years. Oh, really? So you give it to a nine-year-old who doesn't become sexually active till 18, you've subjected them to the potential risks like lupus, paralysis, seizures. Lou Gehrig's disease, death, Lou Gehrig's. ALS, yeah. exactly, yeah. with zero upside. Yeah. And Marie, yeah. another interesting thing is that when we went to the FDA, 
and we asked about the safety of Gardasil and about these 85 deaths and the numerous um, injuries that have been reported. Um, I thought they were really grossly negligent in following up and trying to um, assess, you know, whether those uh, deaths and injuries were caused by Gardasil. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like we were very much um, just sort of, you know, placated and like, you know, um, nobody was ever going to these people's houses that had, you know, a child die or, you know, having a conversation with them and following up. They're all dismissed as coincidences. You know, your child got back, your, you know, your teenager got vaccinated and, you know, maybe she didn't um, pass away on round one of the series of three vaccines, you know, but by the third one a month later, you know, she randomly dies in her sleep. Well, that's just totally coincidental, according to the FDA. So Leslie and I were both extremely frustrated by the response that we got when we went and interviewed them. And, and so, Kendall, what was it like falling around Gabby? Because, you know, he, she's been this really outgoing, you know, um, cheerleader, four-point student, very active in her life. And I, she had to quit cheerleading. She ended up being homeschooled um, because she uh, wasn't doing well in school at all. Her family was spending $1,000 a month on drugs for her because her body was right. in immune crisis. Um, she had disease after diagnosis after disease for her. So what was that like following them around? Well, I mean, I personally love Gabby, and I love her family. Um, She's just sort of an old soul, you know, amazing young girl. Um, I think she taught both Leslie and I quite a bit, especially about being resilient. And, um, you know, she just has fascinating stories here and there, and then she would we, we, we lost you there for a moment. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Maybe That's okay. my phone. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but anyways, she would, you know, she would get a little bit better for a while, and then yeah. she would relapse. And um, she also went on some of the um, film festival stuff with us. You know, oh, so fun. we've not only followed her through the film, but we've, you know, we've kept in touch with her, and we've, you know, she's now uh, going to college, which is great. Oh, my gosh. So she's do doing that. better. And, yeah, and she's gotten off some of her meds, and so that's really fantastic. Um, I wouldn't say that she's, you know, I don't know. I'd be careful about saying she's tremendously better because she's definitely severely affected by the Gardasil vaccine. But anyways, we just, you know, we had lots of surprises with her. You know, we went to go. She was nominated to be um, a homecoming princess, and we showed up at, um, you know, to go film her to, to do that, and we never made it to the high school event because we ended up in the emergency room with her right. um, where she had a side effect from, you know, from one of the medications she was taking. And, um, but overall, you know, it just, it just was incredibly sad to watch this family who couldn't, um, the family sort of broke apart a bit, you know, and the, they lost their house and okay. they were under tremendous financial pressures and still are. And, um, but, you know, the good news is that she's attending college and she's an incredible spirit and doesn't give up, you know, and she's just a wonderful person. Yeah, I, I'm so happy to hear that. I know that my friend Andrea, which I think both of you know, she was very worried about Gabby. So I know she's happy to hear that she's in college and doing well. We're going to take a break here on the Marie Manu Cherry Show. We're interviewing the creators of the documentary, The Greater Good, the award-winning documentary. You definitely want to check it out. We'll be right back. Some of that. 
From the moment you were born and throughout your whole life, energetic allies have accompanied you. These beings have studied everything about you so they may guide and support you in discovering your true passions and gifts. Join Marie at Hollyhock's Vancouver, BC location this fall for a two and a half day workshop connecting to guidance, November 8th through the 10th. So register online at hollyhock.ca or call 800 933 Okay, so you may not be a doctor, a scientist, or a medical researcher, but you can still put cancer out of business. Just put one foot in front of the other and join the Light the Night Walk to raise money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Family, friends, co-workers, anyone can do it. And when we all walk on this night, cancer runs. Because every dollar we raise helps LLS accelerate a potential cure and gives hope to cancer patients and their families. LLS has saved hundreds of thousands of lives since Light the Night took its first steps. Want to bring cancer to its knees? Vote with your feet. Join now at lightthenight.org. It's the easiest way to get from someday to today. Have you been thinking about heading down a healthier path, but aren't quite sure where to begin? Marie has a set of DVDs that can help steer you in the right direction with wisdom, insight, and a dash of humor. The Healing From Within series imparts practical tools you can easily use to expand personal health. Marie collaborated with frequent radio guest and naturopath Dr. Sheila Dunmerritt to produce four DVDs that include detoxification, heart health, brain health, and hormones. The DVD series can be purchased online at energyintuitive.com or by calling 425-825-5671. Manson Mitchell welcome our summer replacement shows in July while we are on the road. Friday mornings at 10, lift your spirits with Dina Marie. Discover new people, places, and activities that will lift your spirits all summer long. And Saturdays at 10, the Susan Harmon Hour brings you conversations with guests that will get you thinking about life from a new perspective. Enjoy our refreshing July summer replacement shows, and we'll be back August 2 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. The search is over. You found the station that's not afraid to be different. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Thank you, Benny, for the great music today. And welcome back to the Marie Menucherry Show. We're talking with, oh, I'm so sorry. There we go. <laughs> I have so many papers in front of me because I made so many notes from the documentary. Leslie Manukian and Kendall Nelson, the creators of The Greater Good. And so in your beautiful quest to educate all of us, thank you so much for taking the time and the energy and your love and fascination for human health and well-being. Um, have you noticed a lot of conflict out in the world where your message or the movie isn't, um, it's, it's trying to be stopped? Have you noticed that? Kendall, do you want to chime in? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's happened to us many times. Um, we've, we've been, I have to say, first of all, that we've been extremely fortunate with the people who have promoted us. So people like you who put us on our, their radio show, we're very grateful to. <laughs> um, and we've had, we've had, you know, 
millions of people watch the movie um, through people, you, you know, that have supported us. But we've also been blocked in many ways. And um, a good example of that is that Leslie was asked to um, go and do a show um, for CNN and flown to New York and the, um, was supposed to go live. And um, it was, you know, really wonderful, but there was some sort of breaking news or something and we couldn't go live and it got taped and then, you know, promised that, yes, you'll be on the show and it will happen tomorrow and then the next day and then the next day. And eventually we just get a letter from the legal department saying, um, this is never going to happen because, you know, obviously television and the media is greatly supported by uh, pharmaceutical advertisement. Right. Right. So the person who, um, you know, wanted to feature us on the show, um, you know, maybe hadn't given that any thought and, you know, was brave and was going to put us on the, on the show. But, you know, in the end, we couldn't be on it. Um, and I think we've had just a lot of those kind of experiences um, where we're very close to getting, a, you know, a massive um, uh, advertising sort of thing going on or something, and then it gets pulled. Or, you know, some of the film festivals that we've been in, um, we know that we've been very close to being selected to some of the big film festivals. And, you know, behind the scenes, we'll get a phone call that says, I'm sorry, but, you know, we're actually taking money from pharmaceutical companies, and they donate to us. And, at the end of the day, we can't show your film. Um, so, of course, that didn't stop us from being in quite a few festivals. but Quite a few, um, by the way. But blocked, us, but blocked us from a couple of the big ones, which was frustrating. It is frustrating. And also, I think, very important information for pop- the population, because that's going to make them even more interested in your film and, and want to go to your website and look at the trailer. And also, you have, um, you told me during the break that, you, that there's, you know, much information about vaccinations and policies and anything you, that you would want to know um, available on the website that you've gone, both of you have gone to great lengths to make sure that that's available to the general public. Yeah, and I would just like to add, I'd, I'd really um, encourage people to go to, you know, greatergoodmovie.org and that they could look up um, under our section that's called, that is about science. Leslie put together um, over 200 peer-reviewed articles um, supporting the facts that we've put in the film. Um, it's also very helpful to, you know, if you have a question about a particular vaccine or a particular injury or um, whatever it may be, you can basically type that in the search bar and it will come up. And, you know, if you're interested in uh, vaccines and autism or vaccines and chronic disease or, um, you know, anything, you can basically go and research and find this. And to my knowledge, we're the only people that have um, a body of work like this in one place for the general public. Oh, it's fantastic. So, and Marie, yes. I think it's really important for listeners to understand that if you tune into what is called the mainstream media, you are being given a version of events that somebody wants you to hear. And the people who want you to hear that are, for the most part, the, the sponsors. You know, the sales department at the big media companies, they make, they call the shots to the to a very large extent. And so, you know, what you're hearing is a kind of sanitized version of what's happening. And I think it's important for people to understand that the, the secretary, U.S. Secretary of Health and Human Services, has even instructed the media to not cover the vaccine debate. Um, she's actually suggested that, that people who have dissenting views be censored. And I think it's important that, you know, viewers or, excuse me, listeners understand 
that they actually, the onus is on them to go and, and educate themselves and find out because they're not going to be given the whole picture if they only listen to NPR or the New York Times or CBS or whomever, anybody that's in the mainstream. You know what I also found fascinating is that pharmaceutical companies can no longer be sued for vaccine injuries, um, which I, that's kind of shocking to me because how else are they going to you know reexamine the properties of the chemicals that they've put together? And and so now we have what's called the vaccine court, which is subsidized or paid for by consumers. So every time someone gets a vaccine, seventy five cents of that you know vaccine cost goes to the vaccine court, and that's how people are. Um, compensated for injuries that are determined by the court to have actually have happened, correct? Yeah, and it's all, so basically what happened was in the late 70s, mid-70s and early 80s, there were many, many lawsuits against the vaccine makers um, because so many children were being injured and killed, catastrophic injuries. And the juries awarded the, um, um, you know, families millions and millions of dollars. So the pharmaceutical industry went to Congress and said, we're not going to make vaccines anymore unless you provide us with protection. And in 1986, a law was passed called the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act. And that law set up a bunch of programs. One of them is the compensation fund that you talked about. Every time a vaccine is given, 75 cents goes into that fund. And then they also set up a, um, um, a court. And if you or your child are injured by a vaccine, you can't sue the drug company. You have to go to this court. And this special court, there are no rules of discovery, no normal process, no jury. There's something called a special master, which is just someone who's appointed by the government to defend this government program using government money, government lawyers, et cetera, et cetera. To say that the odds are stacked against the applicants um, is, uh, you know, is an understatement there. Um, it's very, very difficult to actually get compensation. And then what also was set up was something called the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, which is a right. um, a passive surveillance system to which doctors are required by law to report if their patients suffer vaccine injuries. But they don't do it. No one's enforcing it. The doctors don't know what vaccine injuries look like, and they are told that basically everything that happens after a vaccine is a coincidence. And so mm-hmm. they don't report it. Right. Well, actually, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I I loved an, a, a moment in the documentary, many moments, by the way, but where a, a pediatrician was told by his patient that mercury was in vaccines. He had absolutely no idea, and he was a practicing pediatrician. So he goes to the refrigerator, pulls out a vaccine, and looks at the ingredients and goes, oh, my gosh, <laughs> there's mercury in here, and calls you know a specialist, a colleague in, in his field, to ask about you know what research have we done in a you know, regarding the mercury and putting it in children's bodies. And, and of course, his colleague said, we don't have any research. We, we haven't done anything to determine what the effects might be on a developing child. So it's fascinating how even our medical physicians who are supposed to be protecting us, of course, they don't even know what's in the vaccines or didn't know. And, and certainly nobody knows of what the potential side effects could be. Unfortunately, that's very true. Right. And as you mentioned, because the vaccine makers can't be sued, they have no incentive to make their products safer. Right. right. And there are no other products I know on the planet, except maybe now GMOs, that have that kind of legal <laughs> protection. <laughs> well, you know, we're going to have something on the ballot here very soon in Washington State where our, all of our food is going to have to state whether it has GMOs mm-hmm. um, in, in it or not, which is, and of course, it will most likely pass here, you know, since we're 
super liberal well, over I, here. You know, so I hope you do a better job in California. I <laughs> hope so too. Yeah, because California is very liberal as well. Um, so you know, hopefully um, that does happen for us. So we only have a few moments left in the show. What is something that didn't get on, on the documentary that you would? Love to share in the next couple of minutes. And, and I just want you to know I've enjoyed this immensely. I love educating the public because I, again, believe knowledge is power. And the more we know about something, the more we can change it or at the very least protect ourselves and make personal choices, hopefully, because in some states we don't have that opportunity when it comes to vaccines. In fact, New Jersey is the most mandated um, area in the country. And um, parents go to jail if they don't vaccinate their kids. Yeah, New York is even worse nowadays. It's gotten wow. much worse. But I wanted to say thank you as well for having us, Marie. It's really wonderful. We're we're fans of yours. So we're thrilled, we were thrilled when we got the yeah, call about coming you. on the show. Well, I'd and, love to have you again as well. And, yes, please go ahead and share what you'd like to share. You know, I was just going to say that I think it's um, we made the movie because, one, we wanted to make vaccines as safe as they could possibly be. And, two, we wanted people to be informed so that they could make their own choices, educated choices. And... You know, what we really wish could be in the film is that there's just so much science that's come out in the last couple of years that documents that aluminum does indeed cause cancer and it does indeed cause bowel disease and it does indeed cause neurological damage. And this kind of stuff we really wish were out there in the public domain. And the science is being published, but it's not being covered by the mainstream press. Wow. And it's really important for people to know, you know, that the science continues to mount and it is frightening. Right. Well, we thank you so much for your dedication and your beautiful work. It's a lovely documentary. I encourage everyone to go to greatergoodmovie.org, watch the trailer, download the movie. You can just stream it right there online and learn as much as you can about vaccinations for yourself, for your family, for your future grandchildren, because that's who I'm thinking of now. Someday, you know, probably in the next five or eight years, I'm going to have grandchildren and um, my children are going to have to be faced with the dilemma of when to vaccinate and what to vaccinate. And I want to be able to help them as much as possible. So thank you so much for bringing all thank of this you, to our attention. You're, you're very welcome. And I'd love to have you again on the show. So have a beautiful day in Sun Valley, Idaho. Thank you so much, Marie. You too. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Marie. You're welcome. Bye-bye. And thank you everyone for listening to the show too. I, I know it's, you know, it's so important to bring these things. They're heavy, they're challenging, they're difficult. You know, we, sometimes we don't want to talk about this hard stuff. But it's very important because if we don't know about it, we can't change it. And as, as we know, consumers are the ones who drive the industry in many parts of, um, of American culture. And so the more we know about something and the more we regulate it ourselves within our own families and through our doctors, then eventually companies like pharmaceutical companies or the government get on board and they begin to make changes too. So I always believe that knowledge is power. I hope that you feel that way too and I hope you enjoyed the show today. Um, Next weekend, I'm going to be teaching a two-day workshop on mediumship. So there's still room in the class if you want to sign up. It's at energyintuitive.com. We would love to have you. Have a beautiful and gorgeous day. Joyful blessings. Bye-bye.